A few weeks back, Baba Ramdev's Patanjali got schooled by none other than the Supreme Court for advertising with misleading claims such as हमने हजारों वर्षों की साइंटिफिक आयुर्वेद की परंपरा व रिसर्च के आधार पर दंतकांति नेचुरल बनाया जो देह आपके दांतों को लंबी उम्र का वरदान कैंसर कारक मिनरल ऑयल मिले हेयर ऑयल्स को हटाइए और 21 बेशकीमती जड़ी बूटियों से निर्मित Patanjali केशकांति हेयर ऑयल अपनाइए लंबे घने बाल पाइए and it was not just talk the apex court said it would impose a penalty of 1 crore rupees for every false claim the often controversial yoga guru's products would make aise jo roz ye juice pee lenge aur godan ark pee lenge fir unko cancer ka rog nahi hoga a day later in predictable style that surprised no one baba ramdev thundered at a media conference that a gang of doctors representing modern medicine were running a false propaganda against patanjali if we are lying fine us whatever you wish we'll accept even the death penalty thundered the baba at the conference from the ayurveda makers headquarters in haridwar supreme court ne patanjali ko phatkar lagayi ki jhootha propaganda karoge to करोड़ों रुपए का जुर्माना लगे सिंथेटिक वर्ल्ड में किसी चीज का यदि क्योर नहीं है तो ये कहना कि योग में आयुर्वेद में नेचुरोपैथी में जो हम इंटीग्रेटेड एंड एविडेंस बेस्ड ट्रीटमेंट सिस्टम से बीमारियों को कंट्रोल यानी क्योर करते हैं ये झूठ नहीं है ये सच है यदि हम झूठे हैं तो हमारे ऊपर सैकड़ों ने हजारों करोड़ का जुर्माना लगाए और हमें डेथ पेनल्टी भी दे तो हमें स्वीकार है मॉडर्न मेडिकल साइंस में कुछ तामसिक और राजसिक किस्म के लोग हैं जिनको मैंने कई बार मेडिकल माफिया तक कहा है ड्रग माफिया फार्मा माफिया कहा है अब उनको मिर्ची लग गई सम विद प्रूफ सम फॉर इंपैक्ट अदर्स ओवर द टॉप आंट न्यू इन रीसेंट इयर्स रामदेव पतंजलि हैज फील्डेड कंप्लेन्स lodged with the FDA and the police letters to the PMO by doctors defamation notices scrutiny and intermittent bans on quality and what not some reports said that the uttarakhand government had banned the production of five of yoga guru baba ramdev's patanjali medicines the supreme court of the country has now pulled up baba ramdev over his comments on allopathy in a bid to promote ayurveda The string of controversies have followed Patanjali ever since the yoga preacher turned entrepreneur burst into prominence in corporate circles about a decade back with a basket of daily essentials from toothpaste and soap to biscuits and juice. The meditating baba, the face of daily use products, had taken the market by storm and at the time threatened giants like Colgate, Unilever and Nestle. Some worked, many didn't. almost all made news whatever the reason yet according to forbes magazine the billionaire baba's closest aide acharya balakrishna has a personal net worth of a boggling 29680 crore rupees ramdev has no stake in patanjali ayurved the company is owned by acharya balakrishna 
In 2019, Patanjali Ayurved acquired Ruchi Soya for 4,350 crore rupees through an insolvency process. And mid last year, Ruchi Soya Industries was renamed Patanjali Foods Limited. News followed. So did investor interest. In July this year, Florida-based investment firm GQG Partners picked up 5.96% stake in Patanjali Foods for around 2,400 crore rupees. Claims, counterclaims, credibility questions, investor money coming in. Patanjali seems to be a cauldron of contradictions. In this episode of the Morning Brief, I wade through the optics and seek views from sector experts for a reality check. Can Patanjali continue to ride on sensation? Is the legal tangle tightening its grip? And can the retail heft of the Yoga Guru's products carry on? I'm your host Ratna Bhushan from the Economic Times and you're listening to the Morning Brief. I start with Dr. Sharad Agarwal, President of the Indian Medical Association or the IMA, the largest body of modern medicine doctors with more than 3.5 lakh doctors as members. IMA was the body that brought on the written petition which led to the Supreme Court order and which has flagged long-standing concerns about certain Ayurveda cures on patients including Patanjali. Good morning, Dr. Sharad. Thank you for joining us on the morning brief. Good morning. So the Supreme Court has warned Patanjali against misleading hands. Is the IMA satisfied? The IMA intention was not for a specific person, but as a whole. If court is instructing some particular company, it doesn't mean that it will allow to anybody else. So the precedence is set for everyone. And that is IMA's intention that uh, misleading fallacious advertisement giving guarantee for cure should be stopped. Dr. Sharath, I'd like to point out at this juncture that the court has not banned such advertising. So do you believe there should have been an outright ban instead of, you know, issuing a cautionary note that they have? The court says that while considering a petition filed by Indian Medical Association against misleading advertisements, the bench comprising of so-and-so issue a steam warning to these uh, Patanjali Ayurveda for continuing to publish misleading claims and advertisement against modern system of medicine and everything. So, court has given very clear-cut verdict that they should not do this. So, you talked about the holistic picture, the society in general, and how such cures could harm patients. But Patanjali and Baba Ramdev in particular has claimed that doctors in modern medicine are running a false propaganda against him. And I quote him exactly the way he's called out in the press conference. I'd like your views on this. The person of that stature who is having so much of fan following definitely will uh, like to say, say, that is why I told you, it is not between IMA and Patanjali. We have a larger goal, not, not fighting with somebody, some businessman. So which brings me to my next question, Dr. Sharad. Can both forms of treatment coexist? The IMA is not against any pathy. Only thing we oppose is the cross-pathy. If I am trained, I have training uh, on modern medicine, then I should be allowed and that is the uh, law of land also. 
I should be allowed only for writing those medicine on which I have got training. Likewise for the other pathies also. Right. But IMA has also called this breach of medical ethics. Can you just elaborate a bit on this? For the modern medicine, there is a uh, regulatory board called, uh, initially it was called Medical Council of India and now in 2008 it turned to the NMC. Right. So there are the clause, there is a regulation, there is a ethics, there is a etiquette. It is written in the clauses as well as in our education status also. The same should be those ethics principles, those guidelines should be in other pathies also. If NMC says that doctor of modern medicine cannot advertise his uh, photo, his name, or there is a lot of uh, guideline for putting advertisement, then this should be applicable to all the pathies. There should be a guideline, a common guideline for the medical profession, whichever pathy. But if a doctor of any pathy, he or she is allowed to do these, these things. It cannot be double standard that uh, for the modern medicine, they are very stringent, very strict. And for other pathies, they are absolutely reluctant and they have left them whatever they want to do. Is this why IMA has approached the Supreme Court in the first place? See, in modern medicine, it is an evidence-based medicine. Right. Whatever drugs you use, they all have been gone through a lot of process of researches and the trials. Then only they get the license. Of course. So as per my knowledge, the other pathies, they hardly have any researches or any any uh, kind of uh, these uh, trials of the drugs, what they are doing. So that is our complaint that uh, for a serious disease, for a chronic disease, if the patient, because of this fallacious and misleading advertisement and uh, went to those pathy or any pathy and taking treatment ultimately land up with a complication, then who is responsible for that? That is our point. See, every pathy has the limitation. You tell me, is there any treatment of emergency condition in any pathy other than modern medicine? Is there any scientifically proven treatment of the complicated or general or the surgeries in any pathies which has been practiced in world? So we have to accept that the complication, the surgical treatment, the emergency treatment, the critical care treatment, they are absolutely and absolutely is in the modern medicine. Uh, Dr. Agarwal, this is Anupra, this side, Ratna's colleague. I, you know, we're talking about a different kind of medication treatment versus, uh, you know, modern medicine. But keeping that aside, what we are focusing is claims made by different organizations, not necessarily just one in, in question, but by different organizations to grab consumers with the hope or promise of a cure. Cure is a very big word. You know, benefit and cures are very big words and they're using it as advertising gimmicks. On the other side, there is significant regulation on what in, in medication, what can be advertised and not. I, I think Ratna can correct me. I know that toothpaste are not allowed to have dentists in advertising wearing those coats to say that you can't look like a doctor is promoting this. On the other hand, there seems to be very low thresholds of what can be propagated or promoted as medication or cure providing basis. So what is IMA's take on that? Not necessarily against the field of medication or what homeopathy, Ayurveda, whatever, but the basis of advertising on on the hopes of See, cure. If anybody is doing misleading claims and advertisement, that is wrong. Whichever is breaching the regulation, it is wrong. And there are see, there are the courts and there are laws. They should be used. Number one. Number two, if somebody stops you on the road and you are driving car, thousands of clauses in the road uh, road traffic uh, rules and regulation, you can be uh, you know punished and uh, given the challenge, which probably you don't know. 
the font of the number plate the you know the tinge of the that uh, flame a lot of things are there so what i am saying that there has to be balance of there is an act and a major uh, statement and then it will be you know going to the minute and minute points but it has to be balanced the by and large this is the spirit of the law that spirit should not be breached so see that is why uh, okay the toothbrush standard dentist they all are very very minor thing you tell me all the player all the film star uh, they are uh, allowed to do any marketing why are they experienced are they they expert of that so that i don't agree see if anybody is endorsing they are not saying that you take this so see advertisement who is doing being a brand ambassador even you can be the brand ambassador of any any product if you have the fan following even i can be the brand ambassador of i should be the brand ambassador of any product if i am having the fan following that is not the issue the issue is whether we are propagating a misleading and uh, the fallacious thing and the misleading claims of the cure that is wrong right consumers or patients do they get swayed by this kind of advertising yes you know how much the literacy rate and what is the what is the process mm-hmm. of uh, tell or labeling anyone literate do you know if anyone can write his name or sign is labeled as literate and after in spite of that what is the literacy rate in our country so in a country uh, where 70% of the population lives in the rural area the simple person there they can be easily you know been influenced by any uh, you know gloomy advertisements by any any very good ambassador so that is that the combination of that particular company is not the representative of ayurveda let me tell you ayurveda is a very pious pathy of indian country indian uh, history ayurveda also has a four year five, four and half year course like modern medicine doctors so please don't label him uh, or anybody else who is not qualified ayurveda uh, the representative of ayurveda in june 2020 just as india was battling the covid-19 pandemic came ramdev's coronal kit Patanjali claimed that the kit could treat COVID-19 patients with 100% favorable results during clinical trials. The news grabbed headlines. जो कोरोना के पॉजिटिव पेशेंट्स थे सैकड़ों ऐसे रोगियों को हमने औषधि दिया और वो सब प्रतिशत परिणाम रहा है 70-80 प्रतिशत तो लोग 5-6 दिन में ठीक हो रहे थे। Patanjali went on to claim that it sold 25 lakh such kits. for 250 crore rupees within 4 months IMA was quick to counter that claim stated that Ramdev was taking advantage of the pandemic as well as disparaging vaccinations all this led to defamation notices against Ramdev since the spotlight has been in the courts so frequently i bring in my second guest Bharat Jog advocate and former judge dealing with corporate law Bharat, thank you so much for joining us. Let me start with a basic question. The Supreme Court has warned Patanjali against misleading advertising. Patanjali on its part has denied that its ads are misleading. So legally, what are the options before Patanjali now? See, Patanjali would have to comply with the law. Of course, all the applicable regulation there, for instance, the Drug and Cosmetics Act, the Drug and Magic Remedies Objectionable Advertisements Act and the Consumer Protection Act. So they have to in any event apply with those. 
When I look at what transpired in the court on the last occasion before the Supreme Court, it appears that Patanjali has given an assurance and an undertaking to the Honorable Court that there will not be any violation of the law and all the applicable regulations with respect to advertising and branding of products, they comply with the applicable law and there would not be any statements made by the company where they make a claim which is not justifiable. So, in essence, they've essentially assured the court that uh, we will not do anything that is contrary to the law. Uh, the government, of course, on its end, has also agreed to come up with uh, with what the clarifications may be if Patanjali is required to issue, issue any clarifications to the public at large. Uh, so the government would do that bit. But Patanjali on its own has given that statement and that's an undertaking to the court. So uh, they are bound by that as well. So in addition to the ordinary law, now there is an undertaking to the court, which if violated may have uh, very, very serious consequences. So Bharat, for people like us, we see this as a warning by the Supreme Court or a cautionary statement. Is this equivalent to a court order? So this warning essentially has come in the form of an oral observation. So whenever the matter is going on, the court sometimes would uh, uh, give its mind on the issue, at least prima facie on what it feels. And it appears that in this case, the court has taken very strict notice. But at the end of the day, what is really binding and operative is what is reproduced in the order sheet. You know, and this is where I think we need to make that distinction. Uh, if we look at the order, uh, which I believe is the 21st November order of the Supreme Court, it appears, as I said, that uh, Patanjali has given an assurance to the court. And if there is any willful disobedience of this assurance to the court, then it may also amount to contempt of court. And this is over and above the laws that and the penalties that apply Ordinarily, So there is a greater responsibility that's attached to the conduct of Patanjali going forward. So now looking at the bigger picture, have you come across examples when corporates have, you know, spoken against a court warning or said that this is not correct, what the court has said? What are the consequences of companies in such cases? There are many, many examples, you know, just to uh, think of it and give you one, uh, the, the example in the Sahara case where the Supreme Court on SEBI's petition had come down very heavily on Sahara back in the day and uh, asked it to return uh, the money that they had uh, received from the investors. And uh, at that point in time, you'd recall the order could not be complied with by the company. And the, and the promoter of the company had to face a considerable uh, time uh, in the jail itself. Because if you look at the Contempt of Courts Act, if there is a willful disobedience of a court order, then there can even be a punishment or an imprisonment up to six months in the court for people responsible, in addition to a fine. And, you know, it doesn't stop there, in fact, because we've seen courts also going a step further and also trying to disgorge the profits that may have been earned from uh, doing any act which amounts to a violation of the court's direction. So even disgorgement of profits, which we lawyers call the fruits of contempt, can also be recovered by the court in contempt proceedings. So uh, serious consequences. Because that's also commercial, right, Bharat? No, on this regard, I mean, uh, the rules and regulations which are applicable to doctors and even dentists, they are completely prohibited from uh, endorsing uh, these products or making any claims as to efficacy of these products or even associating themselves with particular products and making claims there. So it's absolutely even as per the law as it stands. It is a misconduct and these professionals are liable to be proceeded against by their professional regulatory body. So there is no differential standard in that sense. And doctors are also, or at least should be, held to the same standard under the law. And, you know, uh, ironically, uh, recently we've seen that in order to circumvent this very, very clear prohibition, we've seen cases where foreign doctors are enlisted 
to recommend products. Since an India doctor cannot, as per the code of conduct, uh, they'll get in a foreign doctor to do the same thing. And uh, but again, this is something that was taken very serious notice of by the Consumer Protection Authority, which had passed very very serious sanctions against some companies trying to bypass. this uh, prohibition by enlisting foreign doctors right and we're talking about sensodyne if i'm not mistaken that it also brought in some foreign doctors what is the update on that parat the ccpa had ordered the company to discontinue all advertisements and within 7 days of its order and uh, as per section 21 of the cpa they could face a fine of up to 10 lakhs for the first offense and uh, complete prohibition also from advertising its products at all okay got it On that note, another question comes to my mind, Bharat. This is not the first time that medical organizations or the IMA have approached the courts to clamp down on what they allege are misleading ads. But the brand in question continues to do its advertising. So, does that mean that legal directives need to be more impactful? There is actually, you know, as with pretty much everything else, there is no dearth of laws in the country, so to speak. So, and it's a cliche thing to say, but it's the implementation of the law that leaves a lot to be desired. You know, right since 1940, when the Drugs and Cosmetics Act first came into being, there are very, very serious regulations in terms of quality testing, standards, description, advertisements. There are civil consequences. There are criminal consequences. We've had for the last 70 odd years the Drugs and Magic Remedies Objectionable Advertisements Act, which was a very special law made just keeping this mischief in mind. Passed back in 1954, again, very very serious consequences. We've had the Consumer Protection Act, so th- there is there is absolutely no dearth of law. The problem is that uh, the regulators have not been very active in upholding the law, and in India, unfortunately, the consumers by themselves individually. Maybe that is because of the law's delays. and the cost associated with litigating the consumers themselves have not been able to take up the cajuls adequately for themselves and that is where regulation is something that's very important and the regulator needs to be proactive and unfortunately in that regard uh, there has been you know very very serious pushback as well i'll just give you one illustration so in 2018 a rule 170 has been added to uh, the drugs and cosmetics act solely and solely dealing with the menace and mischief of misleading advertisements of ayurvedic products it said that you cannot have a ayurvedic product out which claims to cure a particular disease or which claims to have a particular efficacy at all you can't advertise at all but in some cases if you want to put your message out in the public domain you'll have to run what you want to put in the public domain through the state licensing authority or the drug controller who would first examine it and only once you have an assent or an acceptance from that authority that you will be in a position to even consider advertising now this is a rule that came up in 2018 for the longest time and of course as expected there was a huge pushback from uh, the the medical companies who challenged uh, the constitutionality of this rule before the high court and for as long as 4 years there was a stay against uh, enforcement of this particular rule which in my opinion was a very important rule to have so there was for the longest time there was a stay and unfortunately now i think the ministry or the department concerned has um, expressed that they want to reconsider that rule and they want to rule it back but again this this is something that's unfortunate in in, in my respectful opinion because this was very very important to protect the consumers and you know just to make a larger point there is great dis- disillusionment with formal western medicine or conventional therapies now that has made people really really desperate and you know given the desperation there is a greater need for protection 
of uh, you know naive and innocent customers especially in in areas of uh, alternative medicine such as this where there may be a serious lack of you know evidence or or scientific basis to some of the claims that they make very very insightful bharat in fact that also throws light on my next question the tussle between modern medicine and ayurveda has been going on for a while now both sides are out there making claims and counter claims so i want to know should the law be taking a more stringent stance in such cases so that public health is not at risk is that the bottom line that's a very important uh, question i think courts and judges are hardly equipped to you know take a stand on really the merits and demerits of any specific discipline because this is something that frankly requires an expert understanding because this is medicine that we are speaking of so courts may not be in a position to take a stand on medicine versus ayurveda or modern medicine versus ayurveda having said that it is the remit and the mandate of the courts to uphold the law and the law today has laid down a policy on what's legal what's not what's permissible what is not uh you know the lawmakers of course are guided by experts and science and evidence and if they've said that this is what you can advertise this is what you cannot this is uh, the kind of uh, treatments that an ayurvedic drug can be used for if the law has laid it down already as a matter of policy and rules now i think it's for the courts to uphold that law and um, there is a need for a greater vigilance you know traditional or, or modern medicine is is it claims to be backed by science there are checks and balances these checks and balances have been there for a for a very long time we need similar if not more rigorous checks and balances also for uh, alternative medicine and uh, that is where i think uh, courts also need to play a proactive role in plugging the loopholes if any and then applying the law in march 2022 the ayush ministry flagged to the parliament that more than 18000 objectionable ads had been released over the past 4 years the advertising standards council of india too noted that over 1200 misleading ads were out there in public domain around the same time so how much do consumer choices get swayed by misleading ads for a fact check on how this brand is playing out in the trade what's working for it and what's not quite I managed to catch up with Tereshil Patel, National President of the All India Consumer Products Distributors Federation. Distributors are always on the move and it's busy season. But here he is, making time for the morning brief. So there are two divisions in Patanjali. One is food and one is non-food. Non-food division is uh, doing better than the food division. they have changed their policies uh, as compared to the policies which were there previously now they are giving uh, damage returns and all the stuff has been done on a regular basis the product look and feel has also changed uh, which is attracting the consumer patanjali dantkanti is still commanding a 50% share of the entire non food sales of patanjali Beauty creams is not doing well. Soaps and uh, shampoos are also taking up a good market share into the entire Patanjali's basket. As far as the food is concerned, there are still many issues uh, regarding expiry of goods, uh, products been placed at the market. 
the retailers are not been able to be serviced by a distributor as the distribution chain itself is not uh, been consolidatedly formed there is a constant change in distributors for the food division and that is hampering the entire supply chain of the food division where the damage replacement uh, is a major concern and availability of stocks is also a major concern Patanjali Foods reported an over two-fold increase in net profit to 255 crore rupees for the last reported September quarter, riding on cooling inflation. Revenues though declined 8%. Ramdev's Patanjali Foods' ambitious goals, which many say are over the top, include hitting the 50,000 crore rupees turnover milestone in the next five years and profits of 5,000 crore rupees. For Patanjali Ayurved, on the other hand, heated tussles about modern medicine versus ayurveda continue the next few years will tell us where the company is headed both in foods fmcg and ayurved what remains core is that neither ayurved nor modern medicine should be allowed to profiteer off the health of gullible patients and certainly that calls for stricter regulation and more vigilant consumers Patanjali Ayurved declined to comment on this podcast. We signing off on that note. We hope you liked this episode. You've been listening to the Morning Brief and I'm your host Ratna Bhushan. This episode was produced by Suroini Jain. Sound editors Indrajit Bhattacharji and Rajesh Naik. Executive producers Anupriya Nair, Anirban Chaudhary and Arijit Barman. The Morning Brief drops every Tuesday, Thursday and Friday. Do tune in to ET Play for all audio content including the Morning Brief. You can listen to our podcast on all major podcast streaming platforms. Thank you for listening and have a nice day ahead. All external sound clips used in this episode belong to their respective owners. Credits are mentioned in the description.